So let's dig in a little bit. So um, Todd, in general, which category of home improvements deliver the greatest return on investment? And, and maybe you can share with us why that is. The biggest return on investment, especially right now, are all things on the outside of the home. So I would think about uh, garage door replacement, manufactured veneer, entry doors, the things that you'd see from the street. Maybe the exception to that would be if you replace the HVAC and did an electrification of that. Uh, there's, there's some other reasons there for that. But those are the categories that will recoup more than the overall cost of the project. Uh, right behind that would be some of the more modest, like minor kitchen remodels, minor bathroom remodels. Uh, they still yield quite a bit, maybe like 85%, which is a lot of recoup, but it's not over 100%. Welcome to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT. If you're new to the program, this show is designed to educate its listeners on the industry's best practices involving the design and construction of a single family custom residential home, your dream home. A custom home can be small, it can be large, it can be located in a rural community or in a large city. But what makes it custom is intentional design. It's a home designed and built with a particular family in mind, your family. It's a home that maximizes your family's enjoyment of the structure while addressing such concerns as indoor air quality and minimizing the annual cost to heat and cool the property. These considerations can help your dream home qualify as more than just a custom home. It can be a high performance home. Even though high performance homes do not necessarily cost more than traditionally built homes, not all architects and custom home builders build high-performance homes. A high-performance home will deliver far greater value to you than a traditionally built home. So in this program, we teach you the benefits of a high-performance home and how to ensure your architect and custom builder build your dream home as a high-performance home. And if your home is a home that has already been built, we share with you the most cost-effective modifications you can make to bring your home up to high-performance standards. How do we do these things? By inviting industry-leading architects, builders, and other home design and construction professionals to share their knowledge with you. Our topic today is how to remodel your home in a way that allows you to spend less on the improvements while increasing the sales price of the home. Our guest today is Todd Tomalak. He is Principal Advisor of Building Products for Zonda. Todd has a reputation as one of the most thoughtful and diligent forecasters in the building products industry. He's the architect behind a number of publicly cited industry measures and has a clear preference for tackling hard problems that have important long-run implications. Before joining Zonda, Todd led building products and repair remodel research at JBREC and economic industry forecasting for North America at Kohler. Todd has a bachelor's in mathematics from St. Norbert College and his MBA from George Mason University. He is an 11-time winner of the most accurate category forecaster from the Chicago Federal Reserve. 
His analysis of building products is regularly cited by various media, including the Wall Street Journal, CNBC, the New York Times, and more. Todd, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, very excited to be with you. So, Todd, let's just jump right in. What does Zonda do? And specifically, how does that research and knowledge benefit builders? How does it benefit homeowners? So, Zonda is the housing research platform for North America. Uh, we are the closest to the ground in collecting uh, permit level information. In most, in a lot of cities, there's permit level information that the municipalities collect or the census collects. Uh, we just go far deeper. So we know exactly how many homes of a certain size and what lot configuration Lennar's building or DR Horton or even these smaller builders. We also do the same type of granular research around home improvement and remodeling. And we have about uh, 3 million professional contractors that uh, we continue to work with, that uh, we do research with. We own Remodeler Magazine, the Journal of Light Construction. A lot of these are kind of uh, vintage. Uh, let me, let me re-say that. A lot, a lot of these magazines are uh, foundational industry resources. So uh, really, all I spend my time on is trying to peel back the layers of really important questions around what's happening within housing and building products and how things are changing uh, over the next few years. Nice. Yeah, that's insightful. Um, maybe I could ask you this. <clears throat> what is the cost versus value report and who benefits by using it, I know that there's a lot of a lot of data that you put together there, but we're specifically focused on this report. This is a report that uh, the company I work for, AJ Stainless, we have subscribed to this report in the past as a sponsor. It's one that was a great tool for you. And again, the purpose of this um, interview is to just share more details on that report. So, can you talk a little bit about what that report is and who uses it? You know, the cost versus value report is a really interesting bit of research. So what we what we dig into there is obviously we all know the cost of doing different types of remodels. They're all over all over the board, a couple thousand dollars to well in the six figure range. Uh, however, anytime you do a remodel in your home, the value of your home changes immediately. And uh, what the cost versus value attempts to measure, and we do it nationally, we do it locally, all over the country is for every type of major remodel, uh, what effect that has on the value of your home. And we find it changes quite a bit over the time. There are times when different things are worth more than others, but uh, what we really capture is the lift to the value of the home from doing that remodel. Nice. So that's valuable information if you are thinking about remodeling your home um, because it allows you to choose the best place, the best remodel um, category to make the investment if your goal is to maximize the return on your investment. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that, 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 that's right. So there's some homeowners that they're going to be in their home for 20, 30 years or more, and they, they kind of don't care about the, the change of their home value because they're going to stay there. There's other ones that are going to uh, stay in their home a few years, perhaps, and then they may choose to sell, and they really will care about recouping some of the cost. And in fact, uh, there's certain product categories, not all of them, but there's a few that recoup more than 100%. So whatever you spend on that project, 
uh, your home increases by by more than that amount. So if they're gonna if they're gonna sell that home anytime soon, they're gonna want to know those. That's a great point. More than a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I saw some of those when I was going through the report, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on a few of them. So, you know, uh, reports are only as good as the content that goes in. How did you put the cost versus value report? I mean, you've been doing it for years. How do you put it together? Yeah, uh, we're extremely diligent about making sure that we're not missing any of the categories. So uh, maybe I'll talk about the cost first, and then we'll talk about how we recoup recoup the value. So the cost, uh, we've we've done surveys over years and years and years, uh, essentially pulling contractors on a very specific type of bid. So what would you charge to maybe have a deck addition made of this material versus, you know, composite wood versus or composite product versus wood wood lumber uh, or if you were to have a wood window replacement, what would you charge to have windows of this size and this number? Give us a bid. Labor, nice. materials, the whole thing. So we go collect that information. Uh the last major survey that we did was pre-COVID. And so then what we did was we realized that the the cost of labor and inflation and all these co- things can continue to change, as you know, uh, since 2019. So we've taken all that data and continued to adjust it as cost of increase. So basically, if you if you remember how the universe felt before COVID happened, we've been survey work up to that point. It's a little bit harder to get really high quality bids and quotes right now. So we wanted to make sure we understood that if cabinets increased by 70%, that we picked up that increase. If labor increased by 40%, that we picked that up. <laughs> so we 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 built that just it's the same process that the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uses to measure changes in, in price and inflation and things like that. Um and then on the on the on the value end of what the value is, uh, that's really exciting. So we basically go to uh, a huge sample of realtors. So in December of last year, we field the study. And if you remember how it felt in December of last year, mortgage rates had just doubled. The housing market was collapsing. You know, realtors were, were pretty nervous about what's happening in industry conditions. And so right at that time, it's a, it's a real fun experiment. Right, right at that time, we, we surveyed over 6,000 realtors, gave them exact specific project descriptions and said, okay, so, you know, we know what market you're in. You tell us like what your sweet spot is. Do you sell entry-level homes? Are you selling luxury homes? Now, for your buyer, if we did this type of remodel with this scope to that home, what is the typical change that you'd t- expect to be able to uh, sell this home for? So they don't know the cost. They're just telling us the change. And that's a really interesting experiment because uh, we basically got a worst-case crash test scenario of when realtors are the most pessimistic, if you double mortgage rates and the, the overall housing market is slowing very, very rapidly as it was at this time last year, uh, how they still felt uh, about some of these remodeling categories. So uh, it's a it's a really interesting uh, piece of information that's been going on for years and we continue to learn a lot from it. So, so you're saying we're going to get, you know, the listeners are like, well, where's the data? Where's the data? We're going to get to that, but we're just setting the stage here. So what you're saying is that we have historically now kind of a bottom out level where we're able to use that to measure other things. Like you're thinking, okay, where should I remodel? Where should I put the money when things are terrible? (laughs) 
and, that's right. and, and these are the things that the builders have said. These are terrible. This is where we're seeing uh, the, the best projects. And in most of the product categories, you know, save a few, in most of the product categories, the historical yield, the, the lift that they got for their home was even higher than some of the numbers we're going to talk about. So uh, it's a real conservative baseline uh, just, just to think about the value of those properties. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Okay, so let's dig in a little bit. So, um, Todd, in general, which category of home improvements deliver the greatest return on investment? And and maybe you can share with us why that is. So the biggest return on investment, especially right now, are all things on the outside of the home. And what we think the reason is, so I would think about uh, garage door replacement, uh, manufactured veneer, entry doors, the things that you'd see from the street. Maybe the exception to that would be if you replace the HVAC and did an electrification of that. Uh, there's, there's some other reasons there for that. But those are the categories that will recoup more than the overall cost of the project. Uh, right behind that would be some of the more modest, like minor kitchen remodels, minor bathroom remodels. Uh, they still yield quite a bit maybe like 85%, which is a lot of recoup, but it's not over 100%. Um, but uh, it, we, our, our, the, the philosophy there is that uh, in a housing shortage, like we're having right now, that it, there's a lot of people who are trying to buy homes, but they really can't find the right match. Like they're buying homes that have uh, not quite the right configuration, doesn't look quite the way they would prefer. So if a homeowner spends a little bit more refurbishing the outside of their home, or updating, you know, some of the some of the features. Uh, if it's something that can be seen from the street when a market's really soft, like it was at this time last year, that's what the buyers will will pay an extra premium for. So, again, you, you helped us to understand that there's a difference between a home that you're going to live in for decades and where you spend your money, and a home that you're thinking this is not where I'll be ten years from now. Is that that's right. Sure. And we've seen that shift over the last 25 years. The thumb rule is that, uh, you know, for the past three decades or so, people either move or remodel once every 11 years. Okay. It kind of substitutes for each other. And if you don't like your home, you can find another one. And if you love it, you can <laughs> fix it up. But we've seen that skew more towards remodeling. It used to be about four to one moves to remodel. Now it's almost one to one. Uh, people are removing about as often as because there's fewer homes available for sale. Right. So the options are less. Okay. So if I am thinking of remodeling for moving, I'm, I, I, interest rates are just super high. I am, my house is paid off for a very low interest rate. I'm not in a hurry to take on a new loan. Um, that's one category. The other category is the person who says, uh, I want to make some changes in this home because I want to sell it because I do want to move. So in that situation, um, the person who is looking to move, you're saying I should focus more on uh, remodel projects that have to do with the exterior of the home. Did I get that right? Yeah, ge generally so. Uh, there's still a case to be made for doing other projects like, you know, interior remodels or things, but it's got to be a lifestyle improvement. You're doing it because you just want to you know, improve the quality of your life while you're there. 
the ones that will yield the most dollar improvement because you're going to sell the home in a few years or maybe even you know very very soon are going to be the ones that are either on the outside of the home exterior uh, or tend to be the smaller scale kitchen and bathroom models. Okay, so let's go to those two because uh, those the, those are two rooms that are usually high on the list of remodel projects. And there's, you know, if you've, you, there's just no, almost no limit to the creativity and the products and the design strategies that can happen in those two spaces. So let's talk about those. So um, you're saying, you've mentioned a couple times minor. Are you saying that there's a difference between a minor kitchen or a minor bath remodel in terms of creating the most return on investment of my money, a difference between major and minor remodels in those spaces? Absolutely. So the way I would think about it is uh, if you're thinking about a kitchen remodel, once you start tearing out and removing the cabinets, and reconfiguring, moving walls around, and you know anything we would see on typically HGTV, where you're putting in headers and opening up, uh, that's going to get really expensive really quick. As we know, cabinets alone, you know that that could be tens and tens of thousands of dollars. So we typically think about a minor kitchen remodel as costing around twenty-seven thousand dollars. We have a very specific project description that's attached there. Uh, it can go up from there, but a minor kitchen remodel of twenty-seven thousand dollars. You immediately recoup almost twenty-three thousand dollars. Like if you sold your home tomorrow, you would would sell that home, and that's nationwide. So it's going to be different from market to market. But that recoups about eighty-six percent of the cost. So when, you know, when I think about that, um, that really is like saying, and you, know, you can spend. It's going to really cost your family eight thousand dollars net to have a pretty major change to your kitchen. Uh, you might end up not structurally changing the room. But you update most of the features, most of the appliances. It looks like a new kitchen, and it is a new kitchen. But you're not adding an additional room to the home or uh, tearing tearing the uh, the interior beams and walls out. Nice. So yeah, I, I appreciate that. So you're saying that you're you're basically thinking my cost to use the things that I'm bringing into the kitchen is just a small percentage of the investment because the bulk of the investment I will get back when I sell the property. That's right. If you thought about renting an upgraded kitchen, it's very inexpensive for the time you're in it to enjoy the upgraded kitchen because when you'll, you'll get the dollars back when you, when you sell the, uh, when you sell the property. And, and there's all sorts of purchases that we do as consumers every day that we don't get anything back. We buy you know, a cup from Starbucks and and you know we get some joy maybe from it. It brightens our day, but that's the ROI is zero. It's gone. That's not the case with some of these home improvement projects. We get to enjoy that. It's a better improved you know, standard of living, uh, but we also get a nice boost when we choose to sell the home. Fantastic way to look at it. So again, focusing right now on just these two areas that are such a big uh, percentage of remodels, kitchens and bathrooms. Is there, um, well, I won't say is there because I'm looking at the report here. There seems to be a difference between the the work being done, the cost of the work being done varies depending on where in the country the work is being done, both the cost of the work and what you can recover in terms of um, 
selling the price seems to vary based on the geography. Is that accurate? Absolutely. It's it's enormous differences between markets. Uh, and, and, and we work with some of the largest uh, data providers to regionally capture, like Verisk is an insurance provider of data information that, that has to adjust, capture local labor, labor rates and materials can be different. So we, we do re- realize that you know, doing doing work in New York City does. I'm from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Does not cost the same amount as doing the same job in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, and the housing markets are just severely different. Certain markets like Austin are red hot, uh, have different appreciation going on, or Nashville. Uh, other markets might be uh, slowing down more rapidly, or maybe have different nuances even by the size and price of the home. So we do capture all of those. Those numbers that we referred to are the the roll up of the national average, but generally we do find that uh, those those themes that we talked about, about these kind of smaller scale kitchen and bath projects getting the most yield as well as the exterior, that that is true almost universally. It's just the, 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 the amount that you get back is different market to market. So as I'm looking at some of the numbers, and I think this is one of the advantages of the cost versus value um, survey report, and this is something that I'll have you share with the listeners how to get to this research data, um, I think it's free, isn't it, Todd, for consumers? Yeah, there's not a lot of good free data anymore, but uh, we do (laughs) offer this one for free, and we put a lot of work into it, too. It's it's uh, obvious. Yeah. Yeah, so let's, again, just take a few moments on on kitchens. So you pointed out that the minor kitchen remodels are going to yield a higher return on investment than a major kitchen remodel, and then what you both pay for the work and uh, what it's valued at differs based on where the project is. Again, we're speaking here uh, uh, about the United States. So some projects can cost more or some projects can uh, return a higher return on investment uh, than others, just depending on where it's located. So I'm looking here at the major kitchen remodel project scope. And I would think that that's like you open up uh, a fancy um, custom home magazine. Like in the industry, we call them the shelter magazine. So you open it up and you're just seeing these phenomenal pictures of these amazing kitchens and you're like, or, or bathrooms. You're like, I want to, that's what I want for my own home. Those are the ones that are falling into the major kitchen, major bathroom remodels. Is would you say that's fair? Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, something that's so beautiful that you probably want to live in the kitchen as often as you could. <laughs> we, 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 we pick that up, and and obviously the costs are different too. So they uh, there tends to be a lot more labor outlay. Materials are unusually expensive, uh, and that's why they tend to be well into the six figures. Okay, so my my gut feeling is that. The reason that those uh, higher end, say, bathrooms uh, don't have the same ROI is because possibly the buyers don't share your same appreciation of the things you chose for the high end remodel. Is there any truth to that? Absolutely. And if you think about the colors that a design conscious buyer may want to have in their home, even if it's beautiful and it's not worn out and it's not outdated, 
If we replace that with another, you know, call it a high-end design-conscious buyer who comes into that home, uh, there's a good chance they may even have their own designer. They may want to change and reconfigure to personalize to them. And so it just tends on the resale side to have a less lift to the value of the property because they're relying less on uh, sticking with what's in the home. Uh, at least at least that's kind of the, uh, the the belief that we think is behind behind some of those numbers. Uh, that said, they're beautiful across the board, <laughs> and and the the, re, the 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 ROI that's recouped is not zero. Uh, it still might be. I'll use the example of the major kitchen remodel. Uh, this is again surveyed at the time in the market when the market's extremely weak, when the luxury part of the market was softening. Even then, we saw almost a fifty thousand dollar recoup immediately if someone was to do that project. So it does have a lift. It's just not as much. And then in that situation where you're going to be living in the home, you really have to consider, I'm looking at this every day, multiple times a day. I'm in it. I'm, it's a center, the hub of activity. Won't I just be frustrated if I don't put in the things, the features that make me happy? I mean, it's one thing to, unless you're just flipping houses, it's one thing to designed for maximum RI, but can you really just completely discount making it so that it's truly your place and you really enjoy being in that space? Right. That's exactly right. And in fact, we've seen a shift in the data that we think is, uh, we're calling them festering remodels, pent up festering remodels. And what, what we mean by that is we saw a wave of home buyers enter the market after 2020 we probably all have heard stories about this where you'd you'd see you know a, a home seller list their home on a Friday and 30 buyers come through and they're all kind of touring the home at the same time and there's a stack of offers by the end of the day Sunday and uh, they waive the inspections and it's not <laughs> quite the right configuration of the home and it's not in the area but it's it's a home that's available and they've they've gotten you know they lost out on 20 other homes so uh, what we're finding though now in our in our data is that the satisfaction that people have in the homes that they've bought, especially after COVID, 2021, 2022, is bad. Far worse than anything we saw over the prior decade. They're also, uh, almost by order of magnitude, tell us that they're planning on doing remodels imminently. And one of the ones that they're telling us that they're postponing right now until they feel that their kind of financial feet are under them, but they're still absolutely planning on doing it, is centered around the kitchen, interestingly. So, uh, and, and I could go on about this, but there's other pockets of data that are shifting uh, in such a large way. Uh, I've been doing this, you know, almost almost 20 years now. Uh, I've been tracking the space and I've never seen, not, not during the financial crisis, not during, you know, the, the immediate rebound, not even during COVID initially, some of the kind of holding a beach ball underwater characteristics of the market right now, where we're seeing so much like pent up frustration. And so to your point, uh, we think that that could very well lead to, you know, now they're stuck. Now mortgage rates have gone up quite a bit and it's very difficult to go relocate to another home. Remodeling is a far more attractive investment if they're committed to changing the home because they have to live with it. Wow. Yeah. There's some great stuff there. Thanks for sharing that. The idea that people were in, were so pressed to just purchase something because there is so little inventory and that they may have accepted a home that just wasn't the best fit, but they got in a place with the intention of, you know, when things settle down a little bit, 
as our as we recover some of our savings, we're gonna we're gonna dial this home in to be a better fit for the way our family lives. That totally makes sense. So yeah, I appreciate your your highlighting that. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk, <clears throat> excuse me, just a little bit about how the uh, home buyer uh, or homeowner might be able to use the report with the remodeler. So uh, I'm on the um, executive committee for the National Association of Home Builders Remodelers Council. I also do a lot of work with the custom builders and the single family builders. But the fun thing is that the remodelers are always telling me, you know, we're the real geniuses of the construction industry. (laughs) They poke fun at the custom builders and they say, you know, they got it made. They have this blank slate. They can do whatever they want. We have to go in. We got all kinds of challenges that we have to work through. So you've got a client who wants to do some of these remodel projects in their home. They're going to reach out, talk to a few remodelers. Is there a way that they could use the cost versus value report in their discussions with the potential remodeler to maybe help them communicate with the remodeler better on some of the things that they're looking at 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 doing considering doing for the home or is there a way that a remodeler might be able to use the cost versus value report with a, a potential homeowner to help them kind of get a better sense of 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 what steps they can take and and uh what great what what decisions might make more sense right now than others yeah uh, I'll answer both of those. Uh, maybe I'll take it from the professional standpoint first for the remodeler. We have, we have a lot of remodelers that we know use this data uh, as as kind of part of their presentation to homeowners to understand the package that they're getting. So, for example, uh, someone who a remodeler who maybe they're looking at whether or not this homeowner wants to replace the siding on their home. We talked about the exteriors before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have data that says that you recoup ninety five percent of the cost of the siding. So. You know, if a homeowner is kind of on the fence, this might help them think through if it's really worth adding. You know, it's another $16,000 to add that bit of siding to the project, but it recoups it immediately if, if they're planning on selling it. That's a useful nugget for them to have. At the same time, we do have all sorts of remodelers that will call me. I get these voicemails that say, you know, well, I think I think my projects are more expensive. And I think the value... <laughs> And of course, you know what, what basically what we're capturing in our data is the midpoint where we're serving all sorts of different remodelers and realtors and we're getting the middle of them. And no doubt there are some that are better uh, or more expensive. Um, and that those are kind of a case by case basis. So I, what I would advise the consumers is uh, it, it, this may or may not be the ideal tool to negotiate prices from because every home is so different than the next home. There's just different amounts of materials and remodelers would be the first to tell them, as you said, there's so many confusing things about doing each home that the, the job is kind of a, on a case-by-case basis. But if they're trying to compare scope and materials, I'm going to do this project anyways. Do I want to go big or do I want to go small? Do I want to use vinyl or do I want to use fiber cement? Uh, this is a really useful way to kind of compare the result to the homeowner financially uh, as they choose which way they want to go. The overall job is going to be based on their home, but uh, the value in the market will be likely based on a lot of things that we pick up in this report. Nice. So I wonder, 
um, as you're aware, as I did at my intro to the show, more and more consumers are becoming aware that it shouldn't, they shouldn't expect only the, for the, for the, the improvements of the home to take place that add aesthetic value to the home. Uh, today, there have been so many advancements in high-performance products and construction processes that it's it's realistic that the homeowner could also expect that while the remodel is going on, the remodeler could be looking for ways to include some products and some construction processes that actually make the home more comfortable. Uh, for example, just indoor air quality. Uh, we're we're aware of uh, of all the things that can make breathing uh, outside of the home challenging. Uh, we had uh, f- fires and the smoke sifts down from Canada, to the U.S. In some areas, the the air quality is just not safe for a period of time. Uh, we had uh, the issues going on with with COVID in terms of people becoming very aware of air quality inside an enclosed structure. Are you noticing any, uh, how can I put this, any uptick in those types of things being included in remodels? Like Even like universal uh, design, like if the remodel is going to be done anyway, why not put backing in the shower? You maybe don't need it right now, but if someone in your home needs that later, you don't have to rip everything out. So are you noticing any uptick in those kinds of uh, products and construction processes being added? We're in a point in time within housing and remodeling that we think is. So we've been telling our clients, and, and we, I really believe this. I think this is this is such an unusual time in history. The This decade that we're in, 2020 to 2030, will likely be remembered as the golden age of remodeling, probably with some you know, kind of surprising downturn in the middle, which is where we're at right now because of what's happening with, with interest rates. But that's really a comment on the amount people are spending on their homes rather than spending on other things. It's absolutely happening. Uh, we think the amount of activity that's ahead of us in the next five years is going to surprise a lot of different players within the industry. And part of the reason has to do with uh, and you you alluded to this, that people are moving about half as often as they were 25 years ago. So the average homeowner, I talked about that, you know, move or remodel every 11 years. The mean, the average homeowner stays in their home 20 years right now, mm. 20 years. So if you hate your home, you're with it 20 <laughs> years. That's a long time. To, 20 years of hate is that's, 20 years that's of hate. a big deal. <laughs> it hurts. You know? And, and 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 so because of that, uh, what we believe is happening right now, and we think it's going to continue to to shift, is we're seeing people upgrade to the type of you know more not just premium materials, but the type of materials that last longer, that make the quality of living better. And a, a one one easy example is you know not so many years ago, the only type of deck that you'd ever see was a wooden deck, and that's fine. We all had wooden decks if they had a deck, and now we've seen this shift to composite. Now a composite product is a lot more expensive. But if you're going to stay in your home for 25 years, part of the story about a composite product is that it lasts 25 years and you don't have to recode it as often. And maybe it's made of recycled material and there's other things that you might you might choose to do. If you're going to move tomorrow, you might just opt for the wood. But because people are staying in their homes 20 years on average, uh, we think that the overall shift is to 
products and materials that people like. And, and here's another important point. The part of the market that we think is poised to grow and rebound the fastest, starting like lightly late next year or beyond, but we're talking double-digit growth, uh, is absolutely the more premium part of the market. The evidence is that there's almost no pull forward that's happened during COVID in that part of the market, but there's a whole lot of deferred projects. We have a lot of data on this. And, uh, you know, if, if history is any guide, um, you know, the historical precedent for going through a pandemic and an economic slowdown and uh, product shortages during a housing shortage, uh, there's only one that's happened in the last 100 years, and it was almost 100 years ago in the early 1920s. Uh, we have kitchen sink data during that time. Interestingly enough, that, huh, interesting. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I presented it with the um, the CEO of the National Kitchen and Bath Association, Bill Darcy. And what's wild is that as soon as we saw we saw the whole overall U.S. economy during that time go through what was called the Forgotten Depression, very early in the 1920s, and it was it was rough. Uh, we had outright deflation. There were riots. There's all sorts of problems. But the moment that but there's a housing shortage. And the moment that we saw mortgage rates, which were different then, but come down just a modest amount, the surge that occurred in kitchen sinks was between 40 and 50% 12 months later. Wow. That was pent up demand. Unbelievable. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, we're not using that as our forecast, but it's just interesting to observe like the precedent is deferral. And then people, if they're stuck in their home anyway, they're going to invest in their home. We, we, we think. That's very, very interesting. So I want to um, move now into talking about some specific areas of the home. So again, one of the things I appreciate about the report is that it outlines as many different improvements that I could think of. It has them all outlined by what you can expect as a return on your invested capital, depending on where you're located throughout the U.S., so one of the things that um, I'm interested in discussing are maybe some of the uh, outdoor spaces that uh, are really gaining traction. So here we are in the middle of COVID. Uh, you can't really go anywhere. You pretty much trapped at home for a while. So people started to look to other areas that maybe they hadn't invested as much in building out as an enjoyable space. Maybe you have a backyard and it's got grass. You cut it every now and then and the dog runs around out there and that's the end of it. Here we are in COVID now. You're trapped at home. You're working at home. Maybe you don't want to leave the house. Maybe you just need a break and you just want to go out in your yard and take calls or whatever it is. So people's focus really moves strongly towards their outdoor spaces. One of those spaces is outdoor kitchens. And I've had a couple of uh, companies on the show talking about the growth in that space. Is that an area that that you track in terms of uh, the growth of outdoor uh, kitchen spaces? Yeah, that, that is one of the categories that's going to be, you know, we think, structurally higher, like per home. Uh, especially perhaps once we get to 2025 and beyond. And there's there's basically two stories that are emerging uh, that this is like a unintended consequence of other, other things that are going on that I think would happen even if we didn't have COVID. COVID just lifted it even further. Uh, one of them is 
we are in this unusual environment where it's so costly to just to pay for housing. Uh, so we've seen, you know, rents continue to grow. The cost for a mortgage payment has continued to grow. And the builders that as they're, they're, they're developing new homes, we've seen this shift over the last 10 years where the only solution to continue to, to build more homes, a lot of these are big production builders because they're the only ones who are gaining market share right now, is to build them denser and denser. So you get tighter and tighter usage per acre. And uh, one of the consequences we're seeing is almost no side yard. But then this this integrated back flow from the you know behind the home, your living room opens up to this back patio, and that area turns into an outdoor kitchen almost automatically. So we have data on this, like it's showing up in other categories, like pavers. Why is paver usage per home increasing so drastically? Must be it's a function of density. Just so happens that when you put pavers in the backyard, because that's your outdoor space, it's much more enjoyable to also install an outdoor barbecue or an outdoor kitchen. And so we're seeing this attachment right there. Uh, grow pretty rapidly. The other one that I'm really excited about, and I think is not, no one's talking about it, but they're going to be soon. Um, get really excited about this piece. So there was a surge in the the birth rate. Some of us heard about the, the COVID baby boom mm-hmm. in 21. Uh, surprising, almost, almost a five standard deviation swing versus prior trend especially among like women in their mid thirties, a little bit older than, than what have been the case for prior decades. Part of that's a lifestyle shift, but uh, we did a little bit of digging on that. So, you know, the thing about this, this COVID baby boom, which if incidentally, it's not just a COVID thing, it's accelerated into 2022 and 2023. So this is continuing is we know two things about those buyers. Number one, adding a child to the home, uh, means they spend about 34% more on housing in general. And it's permanent. Uh, have children have a way of permanently changing how we we spend, you know, what what resources we have. Uh, the other thing that we know that that we were really surprised. Let me just pull this up here. So Zonda has a lot of buyer and consumer data. When think of when consumers are configuring their homes, like you would a car, like different features. How big is the home? What's the backyard look like? How mm-hmm. often is there an outdoor kitchen? Uh, what we found is that even for the like the most entry level, most price conscious buyer, when that buyer has a child, uh, it has really big implications for the outdoor kitchen. So that buyer, most you know, most entry level buyer, and the reason I'm picking the entry levels because that should be the buyer that has the least amount of money to upgrade to an outdoor kitchen. Interestingly, uh, that entry level buyer, if you give them a child, which a lot of them are, that's the the reason they're buying homes right now, anyways. Uh, that becomes the most likely candidate that chooses to spend an extra fifteen thousand dollars on either a larger backyard, or if they if they they choose not to do that, they will accept the smaller yard if an outdoor kitchen is attached to it. What so a great what piece seeing, of data! <laughs> there it is. Yeah, um, and so you know what our, our view is that a lot of those buyers, uh, the homes that they're in, maybe it's not that great of a fit. But one of the ways to fix it is to improve that backyard space, and uh, we we're, we're just watching that to you know begin to unfold more in the future. But uh, small numbers will have big big repercussions for the overall industry as as the, the the percentage of homes that have outdoor kitchens continues to to grow. Yeah, I had the opportunity um, <clears throat> last week. We had the AIA custom residential architects networks annual symposium in salt lake city and they had the opportunity to go and spend um an evening 
with uh, the team at Kalamazoo uh, Outdoor Kitchens. And it was really my first time being in a nicely laid out outdoor kitchen with the appliances and the pavers, as you mentioned. They had a separate area with um, uh, an outdoor fire and chairs sitting around. And we're looking off and watching the sun come down. And I was just thinking to myself, if you got the opportunity to spend time in an outdoor kitchen, you're in. There's like no way you're going home and going, that was the biggest waste of money I've ever seen. No, you're going, my friends, my family, we could be outside just sharing an amazing moment. No matter what you grill, it's going to taste fantastic because you're out there with your friends enjoying yourself. And I thought to myself, wow, I get it. So yeah, I would not be surprised if more and more people uh, say, get, get me an outdoor kitchen, mystery modeler. <laughs> and when we look at which, what's the, what's the type of home? What's the demographic that's the most likely to do an outdoor kitchen, to go do the backyard paver, you know, to do the, de- like the whole backyard, you know, lifestyle. The, the data really surprises us because uh, what we're finding is that it's these youngish homes, you know, meaning like newly built, built in the last five years that had the builder, you know, had a pretty nasty lot. They just want to get the home done. They delivered it. But then one person in the community did one of these outdoor kitchens. And then you see this domino effect of uh, someone else sees it. uh, Their next door neighbor does it. They have someone over for a barbecue. And uh, the the numbers are pretty compelling. Uh, If you live in a home that's newly built, less than five years old, which I don't, I don't, I live in an older home. But if you live in one of these newly built homes, uh, there's almost a 2x more likelihood versus the overall U.S. norm that uh, you will remodel your home and install an outdoor kitchen, even though it's brand new. So we've got this backlog of homes that have just been built over the last seven years, especially during COVID. These builders have done all sorts of you know activity, and uh, a lot of them have not yet attached the outdoor kitchen. We kind of see that is, uh, you know, it's in the pipeline that's going to come over the next few years. Wow, that's very helpful. I appreciate uh, that. And again, uh I, that would agree with my experience because it was pretty fantastic. They had um, they had everyone there in the little group. Uh, they, they mixed up the the the, the dough for the uh, pizza for the outdoor pizza oven, and then you take out your ball, you spread it out. There's probably uh, fifteen of us there. You, you you know just like in the movies, we we weren't throwing the pizza up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When the when Pete wasn't uh, looking, we try. Yeah, so we're spreading it out and we um, slide it in the oven, and it's so great because it's so engaging because everyone is going to make a pizza, and then your pizza comes out. You try it. You're sharing with the rest of the group. The next person comes up, they make their pizza. You put on what you want on it, and it wasn't just like okay, you know, you're you're just gonna take something out of the oven the pizza out of the oven and share it. You're like creating the pizza yeah. and you're sharing all during the time that you're making the pizza. You're enjoying your glass of wine. You're talking to your friends and coworkers. You know, the, 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 I think the oven gets up to like 1200 degrees or something. So it only takes a few moments for the pizza to cook. It comes out. It was just the most amazing way to enjoy time 
family, friends, people that you work with that I'm like, you know what? This is really going to take off. <laughs> yeah, you're making me hungry just by this. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Todd, what would you say is the hottest trend in home remodel projects right now? So, the last few years, we did see this surge in outdoor backyard projects. That was probably number one uh, for all the reasons that we mentioned. And that's, that's going to continue. Uh, I think we're beginning to see a shift that that's happening right now. And actually one of, one of the categories that I, I, I think is very underrated, but uh, we'll see a lot more activity happen has to be go to the bathroom. Um, the what's happened over the last 20 years is we've seen just the size and shape of homes change a lot. So there's a lot more bathrooms per home than there have been, you know, 15 years. And uh, it turns out that uh, when you put more people and you stick them in a home that the, the math behind uh, all these outdated, outdated bathrooms is pretty compelling. We we think that you'll see about 25% more uh, bathroom remodels three years, four, four years from now than we have today. And today it's, it's still a large part of the market. The other part that's red hot is roofing. Uh, and, and the reason the roofing numbers just came out yesterday, plus 15%, while other parts of the market are softening pretty rapidly. That's basically a timing issue of uh, uh, 25 years ago, there's a shift between strips and laminates to, which is a longer lived roofing material. They're all coming due right now. So all those homes that were built during the early 2000s, you know, now we're lapping them and uh, they're <laughs> out of date and things are ha- beginning to, uh, you know, need a bit of work. So you know, that's that's a big part of the reason behind this golden age of remodeling, you know, kind of thesis that we talked about that there's just so many homes of the right dynamic intersecting with people at the time in their life that uh, they're going to be spending more on their home that we're going to see a whole lot of change. Okay, that's insightful. Appreciate it. So um, what I would ask you once next. They, oh, go I'll, ahead. I'll add to this too. Once, yeah. once they experience the pizza that you just described <laughs> I, I can only imagine that uh, the arc of their life will continue to improve so this, this is a, a virtuous cycle that's great that's great so um todd what i would like for you to do now is maybe just help kind of wrap things up maybe you could just talk about thinking about the professionals in the industry uh, who are listening remodelers builders architects Maybe you could think about the homeowners that are listening or maybe the potential home buyers. Zonda has a number of tools to help building professionals. You have a strong reputation in the industry. I presented at uh, a conference for architects in DC um, that was sponsored by uh, Zonda last year. Probably like 150 architects there. It was a fantastic event. Enjoyed it. There's a lot of those kinds of things that that your firm does for builders and remodelers. But for those who maybe aren't familiar with Zonda, maybe you could just talk a little bit about those two categories. How can Zonda help builders, remodelers, architects grow their business? How can Zonda, with some of the tools you have, like we're talking about now with the cost versus value report, how can you help homeowners and those looking to buy a home be better prepared as they make those choices? There's there's so many avenues right now to sharpen sharpen their pencil on neither new opportunities or better ways to kind of strategize their business. So uh, what I would encourage them, first of all, is just come to our website, uh, Zonda Home. Uh, come check it out. 
there's so many free resources that they can go through. We own, uh, you know, Builder Online, the uh, cost versus value data is there. Um, but also there's a, numerous events in their local market where they can go and talk to local architects, builders. Uh, we put on uh, some of the most, um, I think, thoughtful events, uh, including some of the top builders uh, in, in architects around the country all, all assembled together. Um, the other thing that we could do, but Zonda also owns uh, a company called Livable, which just launched uh, earlier this spring. Uh, think of like a Zillow, but focused on new construction. Uh, and what that means is that we're really bringing together the entire ecosystem around all things North American residential. So uh, you'll find homes that are available for sale, consumers will, they'll go shop there. Uh, that allows us to, to put the builders and consumers together. Uh, and so if they're looking to reach them, they can. Um, and we have an entire marketing and advertising department too that, that helps uh, builders and consumers connect to. On the research side, if they're just trying to plan their business or think about what's happening, um, they can always reach out to me uh, or, or anyone kind of in our little research group. Uh, we tend to focus more on the larger B2B type questions, but we love good ideas. So if they have a good idea or a good question, we want to hear it. And uh, we, we, we would love to hear from them. So what are those um, contact points, if you could mention those in terms of uh, reaching out to you? I, I know you have a website. Just if you could go through those things for us. Uh, uh, so zondahome.com uh, is is kind of our, our company's home base. You can go through our resources there that we have for builders, uh, for the manufacturers. That's probably the largest part of our business is interacting with these large manufacturers that are trying to you know, figure out what should they do next? Who are their consumers? Uh, and consumers can go to Livable, uh, L-I-V-I-B-L, uh, and can go search for homes themselves. Uh, that's a really useful portal. Uh, on that contact page, zondahome.com, they'll find my bio. And they'll find the bios of a number of other. I'm in the advisory section under building products. Uh, my contact information is there. It's uh, ttomalock at zondahome.com. Uh, otherwise, on LinkedIn or some of the other social platforms, uh, we have a whole. We have a chief economist, Ali Wolf, who is uh, well well cited around the housing ecosphere. Uh, her contact info is there too. Um, but any any of us are available. Uh, and in fact, uh, we put on a number of free webinars, which is really extremely high quality research, really interesting information. All they have to do is watch. You can sign up for free, enjoy. And they, if they have additional needs, uh, of course, there's there's data that's available for, for uh, companies and, uh, and consumers to purchase if they choose to do that. Um, but we give you the webinars and the insights for free. So uh, come, come learn, come help us figure out what's happening in the market. And uh, if we can help you, we will. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, Todd, I just want to thank you for uh, being uh, my guest today. Uh, if you are, um, if you missed any portion of today's program, you can download the entire uh, program as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you go to the Zonda Home website, as Tom mentioned, you'll be able to. Um, branch out from there to different um, uh, areas that he mentioned in terms of finding research, listening to webinars, things like that. Uh, I appreciate, Todd, that you carved time out of your very busy schedule to share some of these gems with our audience. I encourage you, if you are listening and you're thinking of remodeling your home, 
to go and check out the cost versus value survey report. It will help you make better decisions. Um, that's all I can think of to say right now. I've enjoyed this time with you, Todd. Again, thanks. Thanks for being on the program. And to all the listeners, look forward to seeing you next week. You've been listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and uh, have a great week.